0: You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. Hey, turn in your Bibles to an Old Testament passage this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 19. We're going to introduce our theme, the theme of 2021. 2020 was a great theme, Who's Your One? And throughout the year we were able to see God use people in our congregation to bring their one, to this morning, to Jesus Christ. And sometimes it was through baptism. Other times it was through, you know, just faithfulness to church and discipleship, uh, a small group. I mean, there was a lot of ways that we were able to reach people in 2020. We're transitioning 2021 to an emphasis on discipleship. So I feel like we need an explanation, some definitions, some biblical Uh, context to why God led us as a staff and an elder team to this specific theme. I thought it was cool that someone before the service asked me, so how much thought do y'all put into the theme every year? Is this like something you came up with a couple of weeks ago, you know? And I said, no, actually it's something that's been in the the works for about three or four months and it goes through a, a long process of of voting through our staff and, and then our elder team determining which exactly they which direction they feel led to go with so it's a, it's a wonderful process that takes several weeks and even months and now we're here and you've got a calendar that was in your worship guide it's really cool because you can actually have a heads up on 12 months in advance of Great opportunities to be a part, especially family opportunities. Father, son, mother, daughter, couples retreats, all of that. We'll talk about that at the end of the service, but I want you to have that as well. So, church family, this is the year of discipleship. So what does that mean? Well, I want to talk to you this morning about discipleship. Our Lord Jesus told us in his great commission that we are to go and make disciples. So this morning, I want to explain what a disciple is. And I want to encourage you this morning to be a disciple and to be a disciple maker. You know, oftentimes in life, we talk about decisions, decisions we make. Or potentially maybe you've heard a testimony of like a missionary that comes off the field and he shares things that God used him to accomplish. And he might say something like this. It was great to be on this particular mission field. We saw, and he'll give a number, we maybe saw 500 decisions while we were there. When I was growing up, we would have evangelists come through. And oftentimes in their introduction, they would talk about their previous revival meetings. And they would kind of give the context of their success to that meeting based on how many decisions were made. But there's something interesting about that. The Bible doesn't talk about making decisions. Rather, it talks about making disciples. Disciples. If you want to know if anything is real, if anything is lasting, if anything holy was done in someone's life, don't count the decisions. Rather, come back later and count the disciples. People who are passionately following the Lord Jesus Christ. In this passage before you, we're going to look at an episode in the life of one of God's prophets whose name is Elijah and another one of God's prophets whose name is Elisha. And Elisha was a disciple of Elijah. And as we look into this relationship, we see how we are to be disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Bible says that Jesus came in the spirit of Elijah. That is to say that... Elijah pictures or typifies the Lord Jesus Christ. And so when Jesus talked to his disciples about discipleship, they had this Old Testament story in the back of their minds. The one we're going to look at this morning. And so very simply, I want to give you five basic things that are true in the life of a disciple. And my prayer this morning is that God would make these things true in your heart and in your life in the year 2021. That's the goal. That's the prayer. And so I'm going to be very basic this morning, but but very, very, very serious this morning because there's such a difference between being a casual church member or by having this title of a Christian and being a disciple. Of Jesus Christ. So number one, let's jump in, shall we? If you were to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, you would have to realize, number one, there is a person to please. Someone is in your heart to please more than anyone else. Let's look at the text and see who that was here in the text for Elijah or Elisha. The Bible says in 1 Kings chapter 19, Verse 19, and he departed from there. I have in the text or the margin of my Bible the name Elijah. Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat. He was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him, and he was with the 12. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak. Sub-translations use the word mantle. He cast his cloak or his mantle upon him. This cloak or this mantle would have been a robe that a prophet would have worn. It would have been a, a sign or a signature of a prophet. And he left the oxen. And I have this underscored in my, in my Bible. And he ran after Elijah. And here's what he said. Let me kiss my father and my mother and then I'll follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? And he returned from following him and he took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and he gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him or or ministered to him. What an interesting statement. When Elijah had the mantle to fall upon his shoulders, he was taking the mantle of Elijah and Elijah was saying this to Elisha I want you Elisha to follow me what is a disciple a disciple is one who follows his master a disciple is one who is dedicated to a person so if you number one were to be a disciple of Jesus Christ you must understand that I'm not talking about joining a movement. I'm not speaking this morning of calling you to some sort of plan. Rather, I'm calling you this morning to a person. And that person is Jesus Christ. In fact, in Matthew chapter number 4, I want you to see how Jesus Christ called His disciples in the New Testament. In Matthew four nineteen, it says that He said to them, Follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee, their father. They were mending their nets and he called them. And immediately, they left the boat and their father and they followed him. This might be a good time to ask this question for you to ponder. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ are you i mean is Jesus Christ the one person that you desire to please above everyone else more than your parents more than your employers more than your spouse more than a girlfriend or a boyfriend or fiance, more than a, a coach, more than an accountant, more than the crowd, is your life consumed with a burning desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ? So many times we struggle with being people pleasers. I, I'm there with you. I often talk to people in my office and we have a conversation about the difficulty it is sometimes to do the right thing because I just want to please People, my question this morning for you is, are you pleasing Jesus Christ above all other people? Notice again what it says in the last part of 1 Kings chapter number 21, or rather chapter 19, verse 21. The very last part of that verse says that he arose and went after Elijah, and I love this, he assisted him. The King James says he ministered to him. Good question this morning. Are you assisting Jesus? Are you coming alongside Jesus and serving him and ministering to him? Are you here to please him in all that you do? When Elisha, it says here that he arose and went after Elijah, he left all, he left all his relationships, he left his reputation, he left his riches, he left his possessions, his position, his parents, he left all. He didn't follow Jesus because he had nothing to do He had a lot to do, but the most important thing to him became following Jesus Christ. He realized that was the most important thing, to please Jesus. Because if you please Jesus, it doesn't matter who you displease. (laughs) But if you displease Jesus, it doesn't matter who you please. So if you would be a disciple of Jesus Christ, first of all, first of all, church, there's a person to please. And that person is not the pastor or an elder or a spouse or a friend or an employer. That person, first and foremost, is Jesus Christ. Number two, not only to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we're trying to learn, what does it mean? What is this thing, disciple? What is all that about? Well, there's a person to please, but number two very simply, very basic, there's a price to pay. You see, if you're looking for an easy way, a cheap way, a lazy way to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus, you'll never be one. There's no such thing as an easy way to be a disciple. It doesn't exist. There's no such thing as being a lazy disciple. It cost Elijah It cost Elisha, and it will cost you. And I want to add this emphasis to that statement in 2021. It'll cost you dearly. And I'm afraid that in the American church, there is a misunderstanding of what it means to really pay a price to follow Jesus. And so I've asked the Lord Jesus to come alongside me in his own words. Luke chapter 14, verse 25 and following says, Now great crowds accompanied him and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Notice the word hate here is used in a comparative sense. This is hyperbole. The truth is when you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all of your heart, you love your father, your mother, your brother, your sisters more, not less. But Jesus is saying that your love for me would sometimes make your love for them look like hate. Because there's a price to pay. You can't have two masters, the Bible says. You'll either love the one and hate the other. Or cling to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in man. Nothing can come between me and Jesus. There is a person to please. There is a price to pay. So let me ask you a question this morning in the first Sunday of 2021. It's a really simple, easy question, but it's not so easy to answer. And that is this. Ponder it for a moment. Are you willing to pay a price? If it inconveniences you to come to church... I mean, you're here this morning and I'm here this morning, but think about it for just a moment. If it was a rainy Sunday morning, a pastor and his wife had gotten up early one morning and were getting ready for church and the rain was coming down and the lightning uh, uh, struck loud and the the thunder rolled and the wife said to her husband, did you hear that? And he said, what? And she said, 10,000 Baptists just rolled over and went back to sleep. The Pastor stood before his congregation and looked at them with a very soft word and said, "I just want to thank everyone who braved the rain to come today." Thank you. I feel as if in the American Church, that's some sort of price, a little water. And yet on that same day the Green Bay Packers will pack out a stadium with 17-degree weather, ice on the field, and their shirts off. To watch 22 guys run up and down the field worshiping an inflated piece of leather. And yet, we worship the very Son of God. And when it rains, it becomes a question as to whether or not we're going to be able to make it. Now, here's my my point in saying that, is we've got to understand There is a price to pay. And at times people have thanked me awkwardly enough. They said, You know, Pastor, we just want to thank you for the price you pay to be a pastor. And we know the sacrifice, and it's tough. And I know you've paid a high price to be a pastor. Can, Can I say for just a moment that I got to thinking about that? And I've never missed a meal, I sleep on a soft bed every night. My wife got me my pillow for Christmas. I sleep in an air-conditioned house. I've not been in jail for my faith one day. I've never shed one drop of blood for Jesus. Most of us don't know what it means to pay a price to serve Jesus. You know, when I went on a missions trip to Papua New Guinea, I've taken a dozen or more missions trips, but some of the most memorable were to that country. One year I took my son, Josiah, and the next year I took my son, Matthias. I've always believed that parents would be wise to take a missions trip with their children while they are young. It is a game changer in the way they look at serving Jesus. My boys got to see firsthand as we gathered in that auditorium for that first service and met pastors who we were told walked 14 miles barefoot from the jungles to get to the services to hear a guy that flew over first class from America and had steak and grape juice, amen, and just enjoyed this beautiful flight. I come in and they're thanking me, and I'm looking at the heroes, the true heroes of the faith, who walked 14 miles and won't walk 14 miles into the. I I, I asked the the head guy, I said, Where are these guys going to go? Do they go back home and just walk 28 miles? No, no, they actually sleep in the church on the concrete floor. They can't wait. This is the highlight of their lives. My little 13 and 14-year-old boys are hearing about believers who walk 14 miles barefoot to get to church and never complain one minute. That's a game-changer. That helps you to understand in context that when we talk about paying a price, I'm simply saying, church, listen to me, there's a person to please, and his name is Jesus, and there's a price to pay. Someone asked a missionary, his wife Do you and your wife like being missionaries? Do you like your work? And the man was not ready for the answer the missionary gave. And I'll quote it. He said, you ask me if we like this work? No. My wife and I do not like dirt. We do not like crawling into vile huts through goat refuse. We do not like associating with ignorant, filthy, and brutish people. But as a man... To do nothing for Christ, he does not like. God pity such a one. Like or disliking has nothing to do with it. We have orders to go and we go. Love constrains us to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. A disciple realizes there is a person to please. Secondly, to be a disciple of Jesus, you must realize there is a price to pay. And thirdly, there is a purpose to pursue. Now fast forward with me into the second chapter of 2 Kings. And let's read in context some verses together. And I want you to follow along. There is a theme. And I'm going to read it all the way through. So because it's 8 to 10 verses, I'm going to need you to follow with me so that you catch the theme. And if you know anything about me, I, I try not to read Scripture like it's boring because it isn't. I'm going to put some life to it, but I want you to follow along in the text, in the narrative, and and notice with me this unusual theme that is connected to this purpose that you and I are to pursue. I want you to listen because there is a a theme here. Look at verse 1 of 2 Kings chapter 2. Now, when the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven by a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, in other words, the master said to the disciple, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me as far as Bethel. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives, and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they both both went down to Bethel. And the sons of the prophets who were in Bethel came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take your master away from you? And he said, Yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Elijah said to Elisha, Please stay here, for the Lord has sent me to Jericho. But Elisha said, As the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So they both went to Jericho. The sons of the prophets who were at Jericho drew near to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today the Lord will take away your master from over you? And he answered, yes, I know it. Keep quiet. Then Elijah said to him, please stay here for the Lord has sent me to the Jordan. But he said, as the Lord lives and as you yourself live, I will not leave you. So the two of them went on. Fifty men of the sons of the prophets also went and stood at some distance from them. As they both were standing by the Jordan, then Elijah took his cloak. He rolls it up and he strikes the water. And the water was parted to the one side and to the other till the two of them could go over on dry ground. A person to please, a price to pay, and a purpose to pursue. You see, the idea here, the theme here, is that the master is testing the disciple. Elijah acts as if he wants to get away from him. He says, stay here. But every time Elisha says, I'm not going to stay here, he ends up going with Elijah. It wasn't that Elijah didn't really want him to go. Rather, he was testing him. And many times God will test us. God seems reluctant, but God is really not reluctant. You can find this all throughout the Bible. A few examples of that are, one of the Syrophoenician woman in Mark chapter number 7 beginning in verse number 25 where it says that immediately a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him and she came and fell down at his feet. Now the woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician by faith and she begged him. She begs Jesus to cast the demon out of her daughter. But Jesus says let the children be fed first. For it's not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Seems reluctant, doesn't he? But she answers him. Yes, Lord. Yet even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. And he said to her, for this statement, you may go your way. The demon has left your daughter. One of my favorite illustrations is Jacob. Remember wrestling with the angel, the angel of Yahweh? A pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ himself? And Jacob is wrestling with This angel, and the angel says, you know, let me go. I mean, can you imagine a mere mortal man wrestling with an angel? Let me go, the angel says. Do you really think that angel couldn't have pinned Jacob down? We read of an angel in Scripture that killed 185,000 Assyrians. Jacob says, I will not let you go until you bless me. test there's a purpose to pursue Jesus walking with two disciples after the resurrection on the road to Emmaus the Bible says that Jesus made it as if he would have gone further does that mean that Jesus didn't want to stay with them? no he was just testing them he makes it as if he would have gone further like he didn't want to spend time with them and all they had to say was please stay with us and Jesus says okay It wasn't that Jesus Cody didn't want to be with them. He just wanted to see if they wanted him to be with them. That's all. It's a test. And this morning, I wonder today, as we're presented with this great theme of discipleship for which we are so excited about, are you willing to pursue the purpose that God has on your life as a believer? If you would be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, you must have a burning, blazing, passionate, persistent to follow Him. This is not something that is casual. And I'm going to tell you, never has there been a time in human history where you and I as believers need to have a more passionate desire to follow Him at all costs than today. I remember at camp, I attended a a little small Christian camp, are you ready for this? In Rosebud, Arkansas. I attended that camp for all five years of my high school life eighth grade, ninth grade, tenth grade, eleventh grade, twelfth grade. Same camp speaker every year, Steve Robertson. Today, the leader of that camp is married to one of the daughters of Dave and Sonia Chittam. And I went to that camp, such great memories always on the closing night. In fact, if you were to go to my office and ask to see my high school Bible, I could show you that old Bible. It's got a lot of pages that are falling out of it. It's old, it's really worn, but it's got dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of decisions that I made where I wrote in the back of that Bible the decision I made, the date I made it, and the one who was preaching. And this dude, Steve Robertson, he's like all through it was a great preacher to teenagers, and I made so many decisions. But the Bible doesn't say anything about making decisions. It says, come back later and see if there's any disciples. At age six, I was called to preach at age 15. At age 16, I walked at the aisle of Triple S Christian Ranch in Rosebud, Arkansas. I got on my face before God after Steve Robertson had preached a powerful message about following him. And I prayed this prayer, wrote it in my high school Bible, whatever 55 minus 16 is years ago. And I simply said, God, if I do anything but serve you, take my life. I don't want to live. I can tell you, you can come back this many years later and I'm still praying that prayer to this day. That's how serious I am about being a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is not a show. This is not some little hyperactive kid that you have known for many years maybe. And you say, well, he's just a nice, he gets excited. You really like our pastor. He's passionate. No, this is real. This is not a show. This is not some sort of game with me. This is what life is all about, serving Jesus. At all costs, life or death. A promise, a purpose rather, to pursue. You know what, I have a feeling we're going to be laughed at for following Jesus in these days more and more. I sense that to follow Christ to become associated with him is not going to be very popular in the coming days, weeks, and months. But I'm okay with that. Because there's a person to please, there's a price to pay, and there's a purpose to pursue. Number four, there's a promise to plead. Elijah said to Elisha, in verse 9 of 2 Kings chapter 2, when they had crossed, so they crossed Jordan, right? So Elisha, Elijah then says to Elisha, after they cross, he takes that mantle, he folds it up, he strikes the water, the water parts. That's pretty amazing. They walk across, the water comes back and to one body of water and they are on the other side. And Elijah says to Elijah, ask what I shall do for you before I'm taken away. And Elisha says, please, let a double portion of your spirit fall upon me. And he says, you've asked a hard thing. But if you see me as I'm being taken away from you, it shall be so for you. But if you do not see me, it shall not be so. A person to please, a price to pay, a purpose to pursue. And here we see a promise to plead. Elijah said to Elisha, if you want a double portion of my spirit, you can have it. But the power that you want is linked to my ascension. If you see me go. The Holy Spirit is the Christian's promise that we plead. The Holy Spirit, when Jesus went up, the Holy Spirit came down. We read in Luke, in chapter number 24, in verse number 49. And behold, I'm sending the promise. Do you see it? The promise. Who is the promise? The Holy Ghost. Behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. He led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he blessed them, he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. And they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple blessing God. Just as with Elijah and Elisha, Jesus says to his disciples, when I'm taken up, the promise will come. It's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. When God called me into the ministry, and I want to thank Him for this this morning, He made me a promise. And the promise was that I could have access to the Holy Spirit's power. I don't have to preach in my own flesh. I don't have to try to impress you. I don't have to try to say words to you that you'll think I'm a good guy. All I've got to do is have the anointing of the Spirit of God so that when I preach, you don't say, what a great sermon, you say, what a great God. You see, if all you hear are my words, there's not much change. But if you hear this morning the Holy Spirit, and I can assure you, You won't leave this place the same. I'm not interested in trying to woo you to me. I want the Holy Spirit to draw you to him. I'm simply saying this morning before I left the office like I do every Sunday morning. I understand I don't need to stand in this pulpit without God's power. And so on my face I go before him pleading for his power and his anointing. Because I desire more than anything else to preach with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. That's the promise he made me. And he made you that promise. I love Acts chapter 2 where the apostle preached and Jesus God raised up and all that we are uh, and, and, and and, and of that we are all witnesses therefore exalted at the right hand of God having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit he's poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing for David did not ascend into the heavens but he himself says the Lord said to my Lord sit at my right hand The promise that God made us is spiritual power to live the Christian life that we can't live without it. We need the anointing of the power of God. Please listen to this. There is no compromise from this statement. You cannot be a disciple of Jesus Christ apart from the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You can't. Don't miss this. Don't miss this. This is a beautiful passage Let's go ahead and read on in the text. It's, it's, it's amazing. Pay attention. It will take a little more concentration, but worth it. Look at verse 11 of 2 Kings chapter 2. And as they went up, and as they still went on and talked, Elijah and Elisha, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. You say, Pastor Eric, do you believe that literally? Let me think. Yes. Okay. I do. And Elisha saw it and cried. My father. My father. The chariots of Israel and its horsemen. And he saw him no more. And Jesus had been taken up into heaven and we see him no more. Then he took hold of his own clothes and tore them in two pieces and he took up the cloak. Elisha takes up that same cloak, that mantle that Elijah had folded and struck the water with and the water parted. Elisha now takes up that same mantle and he folds it. And the Bible says he strikes the water and says this, where is the Lord God of Elijah? And when he strikes the water, the water was parted to the one side and to the other and Elisha Where is the Lord God of Elijah? In Elisha, Elijah lived again. So today we ask the same question. Because Jesus came in the spirit of Elijah. Where is the Lord God of Elijah? Answer, in me. In you, Jesus lives again. Are you listening this morning? This same Jesus has given you and I the the opportunity to walk on this earth with spiritual power. The Holy Spirit's power. When Jesus went up, the Spirit came down and the power of God was released. And Christ lives again in us. Oh, man, I'm telling you, that excites me this morning. And I want to be a disciple of Jesus. So what is a disciple It's someone who realizes there's a person to please above everyone else, Jesus. There's a price to pay. There's no easy way. There's no cheap way. There's no lazy way to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. There is a purpose to pursue, and I must overcome obstacles, whatever they are, to follow the Master. There is a promise to plead, and that promise is from the Father, and it is the Holy Spirit. And finally, number five, and I'm closing here, there is a prize possess. There's a prize. Is it really worth it to serve the Lord Jesus, Eric? Is it really worth it? Years ago, we used to sing this old hymn, and every time I heard it, I, I was always wondering kind of what bothered me about it. it, always, it, it you, you sing it like you're complaining, it will be worth it all. Anybody remember this one? When we see Jesus. I used to think when they'd sing it, have they been drinking? Life's trials will seem so small. You know, that didn't excite me very much. I'm like, you know, I always thought it was worth it to serve Jesus, but after singing that song, I'm depressed. Can I tell you this morning, the prize, the true prize is to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now, I've I've received some prizes in my life. I've got some trinkets and some trophies. In fact, it's funny, my daughter, Chloe, she came to me not long ago with this big box of trinkets and trophies and ribbons. And she said, Daddy, where do you want me to put these? And I I was kind of like hurt. Cause this is my daughter. I mean, these are like she's done all this. Stuff. I'm thinking, eh, where do you put them in your room? She goes, Daddy, they're just taking up space. I don't want them in our room. What do you just throw them away? I like, throw them away. This is stuff you've done, and she didn't care. And then I got to thinking, who cares? They're just trinkets. They're just trophies. Half of them had broken anyway. These things don't really matter. But there is something that I, I want. And I want to go to one final passage before I close. And it's Mark chapter number 10. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture about being a disciple of Jesus. And it talks about the prize. But before it talks about the prize, it, 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 it says this. Peter said in verse 28, he said, see, see, Jesus We've left all. We've given up everything to follow you. Really, Peter? You've left all, huh? To follow me. How many times have I maybe heard a pastor say, you know, I sacrificed a lot to be a pastor. To, You know, I turned my back on a career. I'm thinking, man, you probably would have been in jail had not you become a pastor. You know? I mean, you might want to be thankful, you know. I think sometimes we, we, we take all this credit. God, I hope you know who you got. When I surrendered, I could have really been something. That's kind of what it sounds like. Peter says, we, we've left everything and followed you. Jesus says, truly, and I can see maybe a little escalation in his voice, just a little passion. Truly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house, Brother, sister, mother, father, children, or lands for my sake and for the gospel who will not receive a hundredfold now in this time, like right now, like while you're living, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, and with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. Yesterday, I had the privilege of eating over at my friend's house. Uh, Juan? No. My friend's house. Can't remember their names. Actually, they're my wife's friends, but they're my friends now. Rosanna and Jose, got it. I actually met them for the first time like last Sunday, but okay, I want to tell this story though. I should have said like my dear precious friend sitting on the fourth row. (laughs) Okay, Rosanna and Jose, forgive me, but they love me anyway. By the way, I'm not going to tell you that she fixes the best Italian food on planet earth, but it it was good. So we go over there, and they're not even church members. Like, they go to another church. They go to New Life. But what's interesting, and they go here some. They're here this morning. They go to New Life, Gospel Light. They just visit. They love it. And I'm really good friends with Pastor Corey there, and his dad's in in the service this morning. Where are you at, Brother Dale? Are you here? Or he was. Is Dale here? I saw him before the service. All right, I missed him. He's not here. Did y'all see him? Did you see Dale before the service? Okay, good. You Okay, good. I'm not thinking. Okay. He was here. Okay. <laughs> he left about midway sermon. He just he didn't like the sermon that much. <clears throat> so, we're over there eating this amazing meal, and it reminded me of my sermon. So, I said, in the middle of the meal, I said, guys, you know what's really cool is this is not my house, and... Honestly, you bought all the food, paid the rent. I mean, I'm just sitting here as a recipient of being a child of God because you're my brother, you're my sister, and so I know that if I ever needed a meal, I don't think they would ever say, sorry, you're not invited. If I needed a place to stay, like had a really bad argument with my wife. I think I could call them. Well, maybe not that reason, but... (laughs) And say, hey, could, could, could I have a place to sleep? And they would give me a bed to sleep in. You say, preacher, what are you trying to say? Here's my point after I messed up that whole illustration <laughs> by not remembering their names. My point is, do you understand when you become a child of God that every man and woman who is a child of God is your brother and sister? Their house is your house. Your house is their house. Their food is your food, and your food is their food. I think I've got homes in hundreds of cities across America. Amen? I don't pay the mortgage. I don't pay the rent or the utilities. But if I needed a place to stay, I know I'd have one. Why? Because God has blessed me by placing me into a very large family. Why are we complaining? Why do we feel sorry for ourselves? The truth of the matter is, is we've been blessed not just with eternal life, but in this life, a hundredfold. Are you with me? Wow. What a life we have. What a wonderful life to be a Christian, to be a disciple. It is wonderful. There's no life like it. There's no way, reason to turn back. Would you be a disciple of Jesus Christ? You say, yes, but wait a minute. You didn't talk about the persecutions. Okay. There's a few. Every now and then it gets tough. But I can assure you, there's absolutely nothing in this life that happens that is, overcomes the multitude of blessings that you get by serving and following Jesus Christ. I want to share with you in closing something that God is calling our church to in this year of discipleship. This is what it's all about. So we've started taking this curriculum. And it's written by our church staff and elders. There's three parts to it. One is approaching the gospel. One is applying the gospel. And one is how to read your Bible. A few weeks ago, 40 men committed to going through this together. We're about two months in. My group consists of Jason, Jake, and Jim. Jake, would you stand? Jim, just for a minute, stand. Just for about two seconds, just stand up. These are two of my guys. Thanks. You can be seated. Jason was in the first service. We just went through our sixth session yesterday. Takes us about two hours. I'm the pastor of this church and have been for 28, almost 29 years. And I want you to know something. I'm being discipled. You say, Really? Well, I thought you were the pastor. You, you, you shouldn't need discipleship. Well, sorry I disappointed you. I don't know everything. And a lot of stuff that I am learning, I've really needed because so many things that we learn in the Christian life become stale and need to be freshened up. One of my the highlights of my week is when Jim and Jake and Jason and I get together and study the Bible. Right around March the 1st, we're going to be finishing this discipleship series. We kind of did a fast track. We're discipling our wives along with discipling one another. And then we're going to introduce it to the church. I mean, we're going to actually approach some of you in this building and say, would you like to join us? And you're going to ask the same question that I asked. Well, how much time will it take? And we're going to answer a couple hours a week. So think about it because we'd rather you say no if you're not willing to commit to being discipled in the Bible how to read the Bible how to be a a man of God a woman of God how to approach things like work and rest and relationships and sex and marriage What what is God's view of these things what does the Bible say and before you say well I already know what the Bible says wait just a minute I can assure you that when you get with a group of people and become accountable, it becomes that much more powerful. Because God didn't design us to learn this stuff and just keep it to ourselves. He wants us to share, and open up, and talk about what's what's tough and what what we struggle with and what's hard. And that's what Jim, Jake, Jason, and I are doing, and it's changing our lives. And I want I want you to know. And by the end of the year, we're hoping to have at least 160 people involved in this discipleship program. I hope we can even do more than that. The goal would be to take 80 and double that to 160 and then to 320 and then to 640. And I'm sorry, I'm not good at math. I don't know what the next one is, but just keep increasing. And you say, well, how far would you go? Well. We don't just have to do it with members of Gospel Light. We can do it with the Church of Hot Springs and then bring lost people and people that are searching for Christ and Muslims and Mormons and Jehovah's Witness exposing to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. If they walk away and reject it, at least they've heard it. Amen. How amazing would it be that if in 10 years this city could get saved? You say, well, I don't know if America can get saved. Well, maybe Hot Springs? Could we not let a revival start in our city by following God's plan of multiplying and and, and reaching people with the gospel? Church, there's a price to pay. But I'm asking you, even today, right now, to consider. We're going to be singing a song, The Lord Bless You and Keep You, that song of blessing. But I don't want you to miss the response. I want you to have an opportunity, even before you sing, To just really pray about this year's theme. And am I willing. When I'm asked. When I'm approached. Am I willing to begin now to pray. I'm interested. And here's the final prayer. It's in your bulletin. You can see it. It's on the screen. And it is this. Would you put it up there for me. Lord. I don't just want to be a member of Gospel Light. Lord. I don't just want to be a Christian lord i want to be a disciple you know church membership is a cool thing it's great it's to many it's just coming to church on sundays and sitting in a padded pew and listening to brother eric or jeremy or scott or butch or somebody like that preach and we enjoy it we even sometimes tell them that it was a good sermon Most of the time we can't remember what it was the next week, and that's okay because there's a whole lot of sermons and it's hard to remember everything. But it's fun. I like it. I come every Sunday, and I think you should too, but I'm not talking about just coming on Sundays. And I'm not just talking about carrying this little name tag around that says, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Oh, I'm a Christian. I don't cuss. Oh, I'm a Christian. I do this or I do that. Because that's the majority of what this world thinks about when you say the word Christian. They associate it with you do more good than bad. But to be a disciple, to passionately follow Jesus Christ, to please him, to pay a price, to pursue him at all costs, to live in the power of the Holy Spirit, and to live to hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant that's another story that's a deeper level and so i'm asking you to pray about that this morning so as we stand in just a moment as we pray we're going to sing this song of blessing but i want you to take a moment and get more than anything else and really pray about this am i willing to be a disciple if you're here this morning and you've never trusted christ i encourage you in just a moment If God is calling you for the very first time to become a Christian, to become a follower of Christ, step out. We'll have elders in the front ready to talk with you. Other Christians may want to pray at the altar, pray in your seat, pray with a spouse, pray by yourself, but take a moment and think about this. Am I willing to be a disciple of Jesus Christ? Let's pray, shall we? Father, I love you and I thank you for today. God, I'm grateful for this Old Testament account that reminds us of a New Testament calling. Father, we desperately need to be followers, passionate followers of Jesus Christ. But I'm afraid we've watered it down so much. And the church of Jesus Christ is, Lord, I'm afraid too often just not willing to get out from our normal routines and traditions and passionately follow you at all costs. God, help us to be willing to consider this thing of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ, a true follower, a passionate follower. Father, give us, Lord, this morning exactly what we need. May your Holy Spirit fall upon us. May we walk away from complacency and from casual Christianity. And God, may we walk away from Monday morning, Sunday morning religion. And God, may we become... 24 7 365 days a year followers of jesus christ please begin to start that fire this morning in this building i pray these things in jesus name amen shall we stand together